right, hello, uh, welcome. I'm Jason Konigsberg of PanandSlam.com. And I am Rich Tola. And welcome back to Real Big Mistakes, uh, where we look at uh, movies that were uh, not properly received, not didn't get the recognition that they should have, and have low uh, Rotten Tomato scores, which uh, Rich or I or both of us uh, disagree with. So, um, this week, Rich, you picked the movie. Why don't you tell us what movie you picked? Yeah, so this week I picked uh, one of my favorite movies um, from when I was growing up, uh, 1989's The Burbs. Uh, This movie stars Tom Hanks, Bruce Dern, Carrie Fisher, Rick Ducumman, Henry Gibson, Courtney Gaines, Corey Feldman, and Wendy Shaw. Um, I said the year already, 1989. Um, the movie is about, um, I'm going to read the, the quick, uh, plot from IMDB An overstressed suburbanite and his neighbors are convinced that the new family on the block are part of a murderous satanic cult. Um, so before we get into the movie, let's talk about the cast real quick. What do you think of that cast, Jay? Uh, very, very good, uh, talented cast. Uh, you've got, uh, well, we, Tom Hanks, but no one knew what was going to happen, uh, to Tom Hanks's career at this point, that he would become America's most beloved actor for the next 20 years. Um, so this was still early eighties, Tom Hanks. Um, but things, this was shortly after the type where he started to change. Uh, Rick Ducumman, I know you're a big fan of. Uh, and he, he popped up in a few very notable movies, which we could talk about later. Bruce Dern is an excellent actor. And uh, I definitely plan on talking about him later when we get into the movie. And Carrie Fisher. I mean, you've got Princess Leia in a post-Star Wars role. And uh, she's a talented actress and a very talented writer as well. Uh, Corey Feldman, just, you know, sort of thrown in there. Um, but uh, I definitely... And Henry Gibson. Did you mention Henry Gibson? Yeah, I did say his name, yeah. Okay, Henry Gibson, I think, is a very good comedic actor. I liked him in uh, his Kentucky Fried Movie, and of course, uh, he had a great uh, role in The Blues Brothers. Who I, See, I, I haven't seen Blues Brothers in a long time. Who was he? What was his role in Blues Brothers? The head of the Illinois Nazis. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's and he has a he has a good sinister look to him. So I mean, he does. And yeah. Both this movie, The Burbs, and Blues Brothers play on his. He's a good comedic villain or comedic sinister character. Okay. Why do you think I'm a fan of Rick Ducommon? I feel like you've mentioned him a number of times while we've just just over the years. I don't think I knew who he was. Well, I I think I knew his face, but I don't think I knew his name until I started talking about you. So talking with uh, you started mentioning him. So, so then I, I, I think the reason for that maybe is because I mistook Rick Ducumman for Bruce Dern's character years ago, and I, oh. I since I since made that correction. However, you may be thinking about an early conversation we may have had where I might have thought that Rick Ducumman was Bruce Dern. Uh, I am a bigger fan of, much bigger fan of Bruce Dern in this movie, which we'll talk about later, uh, yeah. than I am. And Rick Ducumman, I really don't know for much other than this movie, and I know he has a small part. He was in Die Hard, right? Yep. For a real small Yeah, he was, part. he was the guy who shuts off the electricity. You see him kind of like up and up from the sewer, and they tell him to shut off the electricity. So he's yeah, the, the one, FBI That's agents. his one moment yeah. in Die Hard, yeah. 
Um, and he had a small role in um, Groundhog's Day. But other than That's, those movies... I was, I was going to say, the only other... I think this is his best role or his best acting, other than maybe his very small performance in Groundhog Day. Um, he was also in Blank Check. Uh, I don't know if you saw that when you were a child. I saw that when I was a kid. I remember <laughs> I think he was like not liking driver. it even when I was a kid. Hence, I was a... a 11 to 10 12 year old critic whenever that came out and i was like this isn't good um, it wasn't good i, I remember okay. thinking the premise as as a you know 10 year old it's like oh my god a kid with a million dollars but I, I remember the movie being i actually agree i remember being like excited to see it and then when i finally saw it i was like eh, you know not not that impressed yeah um, and i think he was like the kid's limo driver in that movie um but other than that i don't know him from too much um tom hanks like you said you know big star now in, he's still up and comer when this movie came out. I think he was nominated for an uh, Oscar for Big right before this movie released. That, yeah, that's something that I was going to talk about. And I mean, I feel like the Burbs, when you mentioned that you want to do the Burbs on here, I was surprised to find that it was, you know, poorly received by critics at the time. Because there's two types of people in this world. People that like the Burbs... And people that haven't seen The Burbs. I personally don't know anyone that has said, oh, The Burbs, oh, it stinks, it's horrible. I don't know anyone, you know, I, everyone I know that ha has seen it likes it. Or they just haven't seen it. Yes, um, you're right. I, I was surprised, too, when I, I searched it because it was, like I said, one of my favorite movies. So when we were talking about this podcast and I was thinking about what movie I would do first, I, I was searching a, a bunch of movies that I like that I thought maybe were on the fringe um mm. and and this came up that way so i, I figured i'd mm. go with it i would this wouldn't have even been on my radar of being a poorly received movie yeah i mean obviously it's not forrest gump it's not philadelphia it's not saving private ryan but that era of tom hanks was still around the corner so the but early tom hanks this was to me every bit as good as you know i i Early Tom Hanks, I think, you you know, it's easy to say Big is his best movie, and it certainly is probably his best performance, and he got a well-deserved Academy Award nomination for Best Actor there, his first Oscar nomination. Um, but I think of his, you know, the early period of Tom Hanks, I would say I think this is probably his best movie. Yeah, I agree. Not counting performance, um, I think Then overall, Big would be his best performance. Yeah, correct. Big would be, yeah. Yeah, I, I think this movie is definitely, if you name, you know, all of his, you know, mid to late 80 movies where he was coming up, I, I'd want to watch this more than any of the others. Um, I, I actually agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, I like Bachelor Party. Um, I like Splash. Um, Money Pit. The, the Money Pit is very funny. Yeah, but I think this... I, I think this is more has more replay value than and I I like Big a lot too. Um, and Big is you know for all intents and purposes maybe a better written and directed movie in a lot of ways. Um, but I really think this is and has some more iconic memorable moments. The scene with him on the piano with Robert Loggia. Um, so, but I I actually think that uh, this you know is is. Probably my favorite early Tom Hanks role. Turner and Hooch came out the same year as well. I know you're a fan of that movie. I used to, I was when I was little. I, I, I couldn't even tell you. I know it's about a, go, a cop and a dog. But other than yeah, that, and I, I didn't I see it until much. years later. I didn't see it until later. And it's... So I didn't grow up with it, so I don't have that nostalgia of Turner and Hooch. It's stupid. It's funny. It's him, the dog, and Reginald Vell Johnson pops up in that, playing a cop, as he oh, always does. Of course. So, yeah. He's, he's always, even in Ghostbusters, he has a very small role. He's, he's a cop. 
I'm sure it's better than stop or my mom will shoot, which I don't know why I'm comparing the two, but I feel like they go hand in hand. Uh, Did you ever I, see that? Well, I guess it's well. The one, it's they're they're both the the you know riffs, co- comedies, takes on the buddy cop genre. One right. is a cop <laughs> paired with a dog. The other one is a cop paired with his old mother. Um, <laughs> yes, I saw Stopper. My mom will shoot a long, long time ago. Horrible movie. Funny story though that I read fairly recently. Schwarzenegger tricked Stallone into taking that movie. How so? Because he said, this great script, I might do it, I don't know, I, I really want to do it, but I'm not sure if I can. And so when still he said that to Stallone, and Stallone snatched, grabbed it, and said, yes, uh-huh. I'll do it right away, trusting that Schwarzenegger said. Because Schwarzenegger had had some successful comedies. He had Kindergarten mm-hmm. Cop, he had Twins. Uh, Stallone, uh, you can't say the same thing about. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, that's funny that he, uh, tricked him into taking that. That's like a, yeah. uh, sneaky move. Like, you know, it's a bad script. So let me tell him I'm going to do it. So he <laughs> yeah, tries to do exactly. it. Exactly. And it's a horrible, horrible movie. I mean, it I is, guess it's yes. good. I, I do, I do enjoy some bad Stallone movies and maybe those could be some of our future real big mistakes, but, uh, there isn't much good in Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. No. And I saw that. I remember seeing that as a child and, and even thinking like that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's very bad. So. Um, um, so other than, yeah, so we obviously Tom Hanks is the lead. Um, Bruce Dern, I, I don't know him from much. I, I, let's say, let's put it this way. Before uh, The Burbs, I didn't know him from anything. And I even looked up. I mean, I know he was in, and I did see um, um, The Great Gatsby. The, the yes, old, he was the in the 70s, 70s one. the one, yeah. the Robert Redford Great Gatsby. So movie. I remember yes. him from, I, I saw, I knew him from that, but that I saw that after The Burbs. Um, and, okay. and after the, other than Nebraska and um, The Hateful Eight, I don't know him from... Uh, much after the verbs either well bruce dern i I remember when dicaprio won i guess it was his golden globe for um for wolf of wall street and he was doing the whole you know oscar you know award season sprint that they all that he seemed to do a lot every other year back then um he had some very because he was up constantly they both ended up losing the oscar bruce dern and dicaprio uh to matthew mcconaughey for dallas buyers club but he always in his acceptance speeches he had very complimentary things to say about bruce dern he's like if you want to look at a great career and a great actor just look at the work of bruce dern and honestly DiCaprio knows his stuff because then I remember I did look and yeah, no, he hasn't had any big juicy, you know, parts that are, you know, other than I think Nebraska, that role was really tailored for him. And actually that was Jack Nicholson's leftovers, believe it or not. Um, (laughs) But yeah, because Nicholson was the first person he offered because he worked with, um, with uh, what's his name, the director who made About Schmidt and Sideways. So he wanted to reunite with him like they did and make a movie like they did with About Schmidt. Uh, Nicholson, turned it down he's basically retired now i guess um and so he didn't do it and bruce dern i think did a fantastic job and that was a real nice career crowning performance for him uh but you look at bruce dern he's been acting very consistently in movies and tv and stage i think going all the way back to the 60s i mean he was in two hitchcock movies he had a small role in marnie and he had a big role he was the lead in hitchcock's last movie family plot uh so how many people alive today can say they worked with alfred hitchcock twice okay so not a lot of people so he did that and then he did the great gatsby and 
and uh, he was in. I for some reason this is weird that it's coming up in two straight podcasts. The Bruce Willis Western uh, Last Man Standing. He was the sheriff of this small Texas town uh, that Bruce Willis, the loner drifter, uh, stops into. Uh, so yeah, he he does pop up in a lot of movies over these. He had a small part in Django Unchained, another Tarantino movie. Um, but I really do enjoy uh, his performance in uh, The Burbs, and I wish more directors or casting directors uh, sought to uh, cast him in their comedies, because he really has terrific comedic timing in this movie. He, he may be my favorite other than Tom Hanks in this, or, you know, despite that, I, I think he has some of the funniest moments in this movie. Uh, yeah, he's he's my, definitely my favorite character of this movie. Um, he... Um... He, I remember he was in uh, Down Periscope with Kelsey Grammer. Oh, I love Down Periscope. I like yes. that too. <laughs> and that's another one. I know the critics hated that movie. Oh, that's, I, I that's really a, enjoy that movie. Um, I did he, as well. Good Rob Schneider, good Harlan yeah. Williams. Yeah, He's in that. Um, he was in the most recent um, Tarantino movie as well. Um, the Once Upon a Time in yes, Hollywood. Yes, he had a right? good scene Small. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Small one scene role, but yeah, he was excellent in that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so he's been, you know, I know he's, and he's the father of Laura Dern, correct? Correct, and the husband of Diane Ladd. So a very right. talented uh, family. I think, I believe Laura Dern is the only one of those three to actually win an Oscar, but he was nominated for Nebraska. Diane Ladd has been nominated um, a few times. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, very, very talented family. Um, Carrie Fisher. So her career is a little weird to me. Like, she did a couple random movies in the 80s. Was it, mm-hmm. and maybe you know better than me. I'm sure you do. Was, did she just, like, pick and choose what she wanted to do because she was Princess Leia? That I'm not sure of. I'm not sure what she was offered or how her career went, but I know she wanted to focus on writing. And okay. she wrote one of, I mean, she's she was a script doctor for many movies, um, like behind the scenes. And I know she she wrote some screenplays, and one of the best uh, screenplays I think she wrote, it's a very good uh, Meryl Streep movie that we could not do on this podcast because it did receive a lot of uh, critical praise and Oscar nominations, uh, Postcards from the Edge. It was basically autobiographical. Uh, it was uh, um, Meryl Streep was kind of, you know, in the, you know, disguised as... Uh, um, Carrie Fisher and Shirley MacLaine played basically a version of Debbie Reynolds, her mother. And it was about her, you know, career in Hollywood Mm. and the ups and downs and dealing with addiction, which we know Carrie Fisher, it was a demon that she faced and ended up succumbing to tragically uh, a couple of years ago. So, Mm. um, but I know she did a lot of writing. She did. She had a great one woman show called wishful drinking on, uh, it was on HBO years ago. It might still be on HBO Max to stream. Uh, so I know she she tried to split her time between acting and writing. She was in When Harry Met Sally. She was in one of yeah. my favorite Woody Allen movies, uh, Hannah and Her Sisters. So she popped up in supporting roles, but she wasn't like, oh my God, a big star like Harrison Ford, the way he could lead a movie after Star Wars. She never quite had that star power in that career, but she was a reliable presence and a reliable actor, and she you know definitely enhanced some movies. She was in The Blue brothers yeah i was gonna say i remember her in the blues brothers and then um and in um i guess around 98 maybe um she was she had a small role in austin powers yes she was the psychiatrist yes for, so, uh, i remember her scott evil films. and dr evil yes, yes. <laughs> okay yeah 
Um, yeah, I was just curious because I, I know she hasn't really been in too much other than Star Wars. I didn't know if that was a personal choice or she was typecast or, but it sounds like she, she, she kind of just pick and chose what she wanted to do and she focused more on the writing aspect. Yeah, I think so. Whereas I think Mark Hamill after Star Wars, he may have just struggled and, you know, didn't, you know, have any good parts. Whereas yeah. Harrison Ford became, you know, the biggest star of all time. Of uh, so yeah, exactly. So I, I don't think that was, you know, his choice or whatever, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just interesting how, you know, you could be in amazing movies and you never know where your career will go. Like last week you were talking about, you know, uh, how Val Kilmer's career, you know, the trajectory it went after Island of Dr. Moreau. And yeah, I mean, but still he had a nice 10 year run where he was, you know, from top secret rising star. And then he became a big star and Batman and heat and then a series of bad decisions. And, you know, you never look at Cuba Gooding Jr. After he won an Oscar, it seemed like the world was his oyster. And I guess it was, but he picked really bad scripts. Yeah, now he's almost non-existent. More, more, more irrelevant than Val Kilmer, I think. Yeah, <laughs> or had a steeper, a quicker downfall than Val Kilmer. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. So other than her, I mean, she plays his wife. I, I think she does a good job. I mean, she doesn't have too much to do in this movie. Um, she's kind of like the let's all get along character. Yeah, she's um, sort of like the straight man to the zaniness of the other men. <laughs> okay, correct. That are in the. Well, yeah, and, and Tom Hanks himself kind of flip flops back and forth. He's either the straight man or he's on you know the other guy's side. He yeah, he's know, very he easily really swayed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, Corey Feldman, big '80s name. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in a lot of uh, films that I've seen. Um, I remember, I know he was in Friday the Thirteenth um, with the one with Christmas. He was in a Glover. couple of those, right? Four and five. Yeah, he yeah, was in a, a small them, role yeah. in five, but big role. In, what was in his character's four. name? Because that there's a trilogy that about that character. Oh, Tommy. Tommy Jarvis. There you Tommy go. Jarvis, okay, yeah. he was Tommy Jarvis. Yeah, he was young yeah. Tommy Jarvis, and then they have in the later movies older Tommy Jarvis. Yes. Yeah, he was in that. He was in um, the Goonies, obviously. Um, Stand by Me. Um, then he was with Corey Haim, and uh, there was one of the Lost Boys, maybe. He was in the Lost Boys. That's probably yeah. off the top of my head. I might say that's my favorite Corey Feldman uh, yeah. movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was gonna say all the acting to me is good in this, but I guess I'll my critic will come out right now. Uh, the weakest link I think in this movie is maybe Corey Feldman. Because yeah. his presence, he's just reminding you this was the 1980s. And other than his "Yo Rumsfeld" line, he's the least valuable player in this film, and was only shoehorned in there, I think, to lure in teenage viewers into buying tickets to what was otherwise may have been seen as a more sophisticated film, even though it is quite the contrary. Um, so all the other actors seem to mesh well, and he's just kind of on the outside watching the zaniness happen and providing commentary. That is not as funny as maybe they think it is, or he thinks it is, or as the other things that are happening in the movie are. So he's the one note that I put down. All the acting is terrific. Okay, everyone else we mentioned, I, I wouldn't replace them. I wouldn't recast anyone. I think everyone played their roles perfectly. He just felt the least necessary out of all the principal actors. Yeah, I like the character. I, you know, I like how, you know, having that, you know... Up, I guess he's over twenty one because he drinks a lot in the movie, but I guess not necessarily. But he's a little older. Yeah. He's not. He's not. You know, sixteen. Um, but um, I, you know, I like how that character's there. I, I agree that he's not that funny. 
Um, I do mm-hmm. like how he invites all his friends over, though, and there's the whole, you know, they're all yeah. there at the end. And I, I, I guess they're like, like the audience. They're exactly. The, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I do I do like that part, but I agree. He's not very funny in the movie. I don't think I ever laugh at any of his, his No, parts. exactly. I did not. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, but um, I, I thought he was okay, and, and I didn't hate – you're right. I mean, he's he's not – yeah, I mean, if there's a weak link in this movie, I guess it's him. Um, mm. but he, I don't think he ruined the movie or anything like that. No, it's still, it's still my favorite early Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. It's still a very funny movie. Um, c- who else did I mention? So we talked about Henry Gibson. Courtney Gaines is Hans, Hans Christian Anderson. That's a great name. What uh, <laughs> a Christian name, a fine Christian name. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, the only thing I know him from, uh, two things. He's, he was in an episode of Seinfeld where he plays like the, um, the clerk behind the store of a, a movie rental store. Uh, oh, I don't the remember that. Was it the one where, um, where Elaine has a crush on the boy, the video guy or mm, I don't was know. Was he the one that she had a crush on? No, no, no. Definitely not that. Um, okay. it, I don't think, I, I know Patton Oswald was also a, a clerk at a movie rental store as well. So I yes, don't, I'm, I'm getting I them confused. Okay. I think it's one where George lost the movie. It got stolen out of the car and, and he owed $99 and he was like, how could that cost $99? Um, I remember that's. I remember the scene, but I. It's not. I, yeah, 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 I, don't I think he's the. He, yeah, he's the cashier there. Uh, and the only other thing I know him from is Back to the Future. Do you remember him in Back to the Future? Not at all. And I know that movie pretty well. Who was he in Back to all the right, Future? All right. So uh, when they're dancing at the end, and it's after he punches. It's after um, George McFly p- knocks out Biff. So he's you know okay. he's he's already he's got Lorraine. They're dancing, but okay. he has to kiss her, and and Marty's hand starts to disappear. Yeah. Um. And then that guy goes, "Scram, McFly! I'm cutting in," and starts dancing with. Uh, that's him. That's him. And then he. And, oh. then, and then Crispin Glover comes over and says, "Excuse me," and pushes him to the ground. And then Marty jumps back, and he's fine, and he stays. Yep. And yep. okay, okay, so that, I remember the scene vividly. <laughs> I just never realized that was the same actor. Yeah, that's okay. him there. Um. Well, because he's he has a lot of makeup on in the burbs. Um. Obviously, you know, mm. fake teeth and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, sideburns and all. You know, he looks grimy and dirty yeah, and yeah, yeah. and so, the other Klopek, I, I don't know his, if i've seen him in anything else but he's credited as brother theodore I believe. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even write his name down because i'm like i don't know this guy from anything <laughs> i don't know but he's he's sure that's a memorable face <laughs> yes definitely. that's a face for radio i'll say that yeah. and a voice <laughs> well maybe not a voice for radio but a face for for radio the, no i meant memorable voice yeah um yeah. uh Klopek, is that slavic no <laughs> And then I, I wrote that down because I think Bruce Dern had this. Bruce Dern is so underrated as an actor and as a comic actor as oh, Rumsfeld, yeah. right wing militant nosy neighbor. He delivers some great lines. Some of my favorites were he trains his dog to crap in my yard. <laughs> Here you go, Sonny. A little something for the old sweet tooth with yep. the brownies. Hans, a fine Christian name. That's about a nine on the tension scale, Rube. <laughs> what have you got in the cellar, Air Klopek? <laughs> so the, the name is obviously, I mean, I took it as he was obviously, uh, you know, meant to make you think of Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, before he was Secretary of Defense for W. Bush, he worked for Nixon, Ford, and the first Bush. Uh, and I guess it this movie was sort of showing what he would be like as a normal neighbor. Uh, he has the best intro. It's a great intro to his character. Yes. The scene of him, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, just coming out with the flag and the music behind him. 
him and the shirt open and the wife right next to him. I also love the scene of him eating animal crackers on the roof. Oh, That's yeah. pretty priceless. And the Yo Rumsfield and the stunt double as he falls is a great moment. So he has I've, a lot of great moments in this movie. So he's an outstanding actor. Not enough praise is given to Bruce Dern throughout his career, but we'll give him praise right now. Yeah, I agree. I wrote down... Um... I wrote down Bruce Dern, what an entrance with the music playing and he walks out yeah. of his house. He's got the vest on and no shirt. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, yeah, that was great. And the um, hip with him carrying the brownies. First of all, that's a great shot. That long crane oh, shot yeah. following the neighbors. He's carrying the brownies. Like there's like the carrying the brownies so up. Weird. Like, like, yeah, like a, tr- like a waiter holds a tray. Um, <laughs> it's just very dainty, weird looking. I don't know. And then is. he falls and then he falls through the porch. <laughs> there go all the goddamn brownies. <laughs> it's great. I'm just he, picturing it and it's hilarious. And then he gives them to the guy and goes, look, he goes, Sonny, a little something for the old sweet tooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a very, very good character. And uh, I, yeah. I guess I wouldn't want him to be my neighbor, but at the same time, I guess I would, as long as he's on my side. <laughs> Yeah, and definitely. as long as I don't have a dog that's uh, possibly pooping in his yard. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So this uh, this movie came out in '89. Um, I I did research. You know what went what won Best Picture that year, but you probably know. So go ahead. Well, there's a lot of controversy around the Oscars this year, but yeah, the Best Picture winner was, of course, and I've actually written articles on my website, panandslam.com, too, off the top of my head, uh, surrounding the films of 1989. This was an outstanding year for movies, Um, although I don't mention the Burbs in either article, so once again, showing that it's underrated, uh, because there were so many other big movies, but 1989, the best movie of the year was Driving Miss Daisy, and... Which is a fine movie. I'm not one of the haters of Driving Miss Daisy. I enjoy that movie. I think it's terrific. But the year that Do the Right Thing came out, also in 1989, and awarding Driving Miss Daisy with Best Picture and not even nominating uh, Do the Right Thing or Spike Lee for Best Director, that was just a big slap in the face to Spike Lee. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've seen... I did see that movie. I actually watched it for the first time... uh, Within the last several months. Um, I remember you texting me after you saw it. This was during quarantine. I believe this was shortly after George Floyd. And you're like, holy crap, I felt like I was watching the news. <laughs> yes, yeah, I couldn't believe. I, and I went in knowing very little to n- almost nothing about the movie. Okay. Um, in terms of Just like, hearing what, that it was, it was good over the yeah, years. Yeah, knowing okay, it was good, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I knew the general plot, but I didn't know anything about how it ended. There really Um, isn't much of a plot. It's one of those... I know people that don't like that movie because it's not plot-based. You're literally just following these characters around on the hottest day of New York and listening to them talk and watching them interact with each other. And then eventually the tension escalates. And then as the sun sets and it gets dark, then it erupts. Uh, I think it's brilliant. Um, Right. But... And which is typically the way things happen in the summer because it's too hot during the day to do anything. But once it cools down at night, that's when the tensions really come out because now you have yeah, energy. Yeah. Cooler heads something. don't prevail in, exactly. in, in that film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I remember you, you, you know, your comment. And Spike Lee was really ahead of the curve with that because it came out, I think, a year, maybe two years before Rodney King, before the Rodney King assault. And then, you know, maybe a year before the assault and then 
two years or three years before the final verdict when the police were found uh, not guilty of any wrongdoing in the Rodney King situation and then the subsequent L.A. riots that happened. Uh, And obviously there had been police riots and, you know, uh, racial injustice before. So it was a commentary on that. But I feel like you look at, you know, what the news was, what was going on just this past summer uh, with everything happening, Breonna Taylor and all all this. I I don't even remember the other uh, victims' names uh, that, that, you know, in the stories that we heard over the summer mm-hmm. and you know m- several months ago uh but uh it was definitely ahead of its time and a movie of its time i think it represents what life was like in brooklyn bed uh bed bedford stuyvesant in 1989 very well yeah um i agree great movie um but yeah that was uh that was a um that that movie i know like you said best picture was um driving miss daisy yep um obviously you know the burbs wasn't nominated for wasn't anything. in and, consideration for anything no, and, yeah. and neither do i i, I don't think it should be i mean i'm not one no no off the top of my head it, but you know yeah, but all, it, as much movie. as i love it it's not you know on the calendar although everyone says comedy is a lot harder to make than drama and i do believe it is it's harder to be funny than it is to be serious uh but i, I personally a movie that i'd like to give attention to for 1989 uh born on the fourth of july oliver right Stone's, that was another uh, big one. second vietnam war film he won his second best director oscar for that uh tom cruise was nominated lost to daniel day lewis for my left foot those are in my opinion, two of the best performances of the decade, two of the mm-hmm. best performances of both of their respective careers. Uh, so it was 1989, and you look up other movies that came out that uh, last year, that in 1989, uh, you're a big Disney fan. Disney's renaissance started in 1989 with The Little Mermaid. Uh, so there was a ton of glory, the Denzel Washington, uh, Matthew yeah, he Broderick won that. Civil he War won movie. Best he won actor. Supporting Actor that year and well-deserved. Um just a lot of really, really good movies came out that year. Yeah, the um, Tim Burton's Batman that was nineteen eighty. Yeah, that was the big. Yep. That was the biggest summer movie of nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, yeah nineteen eighty nine was one of the biggest summers ever at the movies. You had Batman, you had Ghostbusters two, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, you had um, oh god, I'm playing Lethal Weapon two. Uh, uh, so many. So I wrote an article all about the best summers at the movies, and 1989 ranked pretty high as one of the best, you know, summer blockbuster seasons ever. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Parenthood, uh, a lot of really great movies came. Yeah, out a lot of the. I mean, this is right in my heyday. I mean, I, well, mm-hmm. maybe maybe a little early. I mean, I was only six in '89. Um, yeah, but I'm sure you may have seen some of those movies in the theater. I know I saw Ghostbusters 2 in the theater. I know I saw Batman in the theater. I definitely saw Ghostbusters 2 in the theater. I definitely saw Batman in the theater, and I probably saw Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in Honey, the I theater. Honey, I Shrunk the And I definitely saw those three in the theater. I saw yeah. Karate Kid 3 in the theater. That was the same summer. That wasn't I did very not good. That. Okay, I saw that in the theater. So, yeah, it was 1989 is a really, you know, a standout year for, uh, for movies. Yeah. Um,. <laughs> much better Kid. than 1996 with uh, yeah, the island definitely. of dr moreau and definitely. and and as much as i like island of dr moreau the burbs is by far a better movie and does not deserve any sort of negative reputation so i was very surprised uh once again well, to it, see it, some it, critics reactions yeah and it was only it was 53 percent um rotten um so 
it, you know, it's right on the border there, um, but still surprised that it's even that low. I mean, I, I think this is a solid 70%, right? Like, I think it's uh, with 70 to me is a C. If you're going by like, you know, you get a 70 on a paper, that's a C minus. That's, right. that's not good. I would give this movie a solid three stars, a solid B. B, yeah. B plus, B minus, some type of, if I was to grade it, you know, on that sort of I scale. Mean, yeah, I mean, it, I, I know what it is. I know it's not, you know, best picture caliber. No, you know, it's, no, it's, not it's at a, all. It's, but it's an enjoyable movie. It's it's a coherent movie. Yeah. Um, I, I had to read some of the negative uh, things about it just because I want to know what, what could they have complained about. Well, but, I so, read one after this. Yeah, I, I mean, I read Roger Ebert's review, and he was just, uh, he's a critic, film critic that I admire tremendously. If you ask me who are some of the, my, you know, heroes, Roger Ebert is a, you know, personal hero of my life. I never met the man, but, you know, watching his show as a kid growing up and uh, uh, Siskel and Ebert and reading his reviews, you know, I, he was just someone that even when I disagreed, you know, with like if I liked a movie and he didn't like a movie I saw his points and I would like you know to the I, I valued his opinion um and valued you know his input but this one he just really was talking about how it was just wasn't funny and it was mean and it was and I, I didn't you know I think he was just off the mark and I think this movie was wrongfully dismissed by critics as a whole because it came out on the heels of big this movie came out right after Tom Hanks sort of had, you know, the best movie of his career up to that point with Big. He got an Oscar nomination around the same time that this was released. Um, so it seemed this movie, maybe in critics' minds, felt like a step back. And it was also released in the cold tundra of February when a lot of movies, you know, the studio doesn't have faith in are mm -hmm. sort of set out to die. They, they, the movies that they're not proud of, they release those movies, Oscar season, November, December. And then if they really think the movie's going to make a lot of money, they release it May, June, July or August. And so February was usually the doldrums for, you know, a dumping ground. January, February, March, not much came out then. And if the movies that the studios ended up getting a hit, they were like, yay, woohoo, it was a big surprise. So I think they didn't have a lot of faith in it, and it was, you know, viewed as, like I said, kind of a step back for Tom Hanks when he showed so much growth dramatically and comedically with Big. So I think it was a victim of timing, maybe, for the critics. If, if, those, if these two movies were reversed, if this came out and then Big came out afterwards, they might be saying something different. Yeah, I agree. I think... You know, I, I think if you just take this movie for what it is, it, it's there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, no, you can nitpick some things, but it's overall it's it's uh, good performances all around. Is it like we said before, it's not Tom Hanks's best performance, but uh, he's definitely not bad in it by any means. I mean, he's a solid, you know, straight man slash, you know, I don't know. I don't really know what I think here. He does his job. He's a good, yeah. you know, comedic lead. He's a good foil to the zaniness of the Rick Ducommon and uh, Bruce Dern characters. Mm -hmm. um, but he still has a lot of funny moments of his own when he goes over the top, especially towards the end. Um, so I, I think he's, he does a good job and he's always good. I mean, Tom Hanks, other than, I've always said this, other than the Lady Killers, I never like Tom Hanks's performance in a movie. And I don't think you saw The Lady Killers, but that movie is so bad. Not only did it almost have me not like Tom Hanks anymore, I almost lost complete faith in the Coen brothers at that point. It's their worst movie by far. 
Um, I actually saw the original version with Alec Guinness. Whoa, with Alec Guinness. Wow, look at you taking me to film school. Wow, yeah. okay, yeah. Uh, I, I, I did have try not to seen watch. it. I heard it's excellent, though. It is. It was really good. I did try to watch this one, and I just, it was, I couldn't even get, like, past, I don't know, it's 10, 10 or 15 minutes. It's god-awful. Yeah, it's, it, it it's really god-awful, yeah. Um, so, all right, so um, let's get into the movie a little bit, um, you know, just talk about it, uh, you know, some of the mm-hmm. scenes. Uh, so it starts off zooming in on the Universal logo. I love I'm glad that. you mentioned that. I love I'm glad that. you mentioned it. I loved it, too. The opening with the Universal logo, the animation. It's, I always like when movie studios do something a little different with the logo, but this is the best other than maybe Waterworld. Do you remember the opening for Waterworld, what Universal did with the Universal logo? Did it, logo? like, cover up all the land? Yeah, it's a regular Universal logo, and then all of a sudden you see the blue gets bigger, and the Mm -hmm. continents start getting smaller and smaller, and the the camera zooms in, and then eventually, you know, you see the ocean and the title. And yeah, I loved this opening, uh, what they did with the Universal logo, slowly slowly zooming in, you know, on the planet, and then eventually to, I guess, Midwest uh, suburbs, uh, Illinois or something, I think is where it takes place. It looks Uh, like, yeah, that's what it looks like, that's the area that it's Yeah, I think I saw Illinois light plates in there so a suburb of chicago maybe um so uh that great very inventive right away i was like yes i was in there yeah i i i love that um uh i i don't remember waterboy at waterboy uh waterworld doing that um but you know unfortunately for waterworld i think it all went downhill after that opening (laughs) hey i I could defend waterworld i'll defend that i won't won't defend the postman but i'll defend waterworld (laughs) maybe we'll be talking about that someday um uh yeah so then it goes into um you know some weird sounds coming out well it pans over the whole uh little cul-de-sac where the whole that's another thing i like about this movie the whole movie takes place in the neighborhood yes never goes out of the neighborhood yeah um everything takes place there and another thing i like about it about the whole suburb thing and everything they never once talk about anyone's job um which i think is good because they they we know tom hanks is on vacation but we don't know what he's on vacation from or what's really going on Exactly. We don't we don't know till the end that uh, one of the Klopaks is a doctor. Um, we don't know what Art does. We don't know what what Tom Hanks. I don't think Art does does. anything except his. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's it's hard to imagine. He's the one that's. It's hard to imagine him actually having a job. Uh, Rumsfeld, I think, was just a former military man. Yeah, Yeah, retired military man. So that yeah. yeah. He's, he's collecting a pension, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ricky, or the uh, Corey Feldman, is just painting his parents' house while they're away. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's no. There's no focus on like anything other than their normal day to day lives at home, which I, I thought that was kind of cool because I agree. Um, yeah. It just focuses on the burbs. It doesn't focus on anything outside of the, the, the suburbs. It, it- it created a very claustrophobic feeling. The claustrophobic feeling it creates by never leaving the cul-de-sac. It's like one of those movies that's all taking place in one setting. Mm-hmm. Like a movie that's all in one room or one house or, you know, like 12 Angry Men or The Thing. I mean, obviously, tonally, it's very different than those. But it does have that sense of urgency that you're stuck here and there's a monster or monster family. Maybe, maybe not. You don't really know and they're going to investigate. And it's, it's got kind of like a rear window Hitchcockian feeling to it. Uh, one thing that I'd like to say that stood out to me right away, you didn't mention it. Uh, I don't, I'm sure you might have, though, but I'll mention it now. The music score. 
Oh, I love Jerry it. Goldsmith. I, I, I wrote that. Yes. Good. Okay. Hits and right away it, it 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 hit me right away and it doesn't go away. That theme that he has throughout the whole thing, the music score by Jerry Goldsmith hits all the right notes, setting a semi-scary, semi-funny, sarcastic mood. I mean, this he really establishes the 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 music tells you how you should feel. Yes. It's not quite horror, but it's not quite comedy either there's something off and quirky and kinky about this comedy that's not your usual you know it's it's not uh it's not splash okay it's not when harry met sally there's something a little different here i agree i i love the score the score like you said tells you exactly how you should feel it go you this movie is is kind of unique because uh, and me, I don't know if it doesn't know what it wants to be, or it knows exactly that it wants to be several different things at once. I yeah, um, I think it knows it exactly what it yeah. wants to be. So, so I don't think it, there were mistakes in this movie, right? Like Doctor Moreau, which was a giant, you know, bunch of shambles and accidents that they threw yeah. together for for and made ninety six minutes into a movie. This was, I think. I don't think this had that type of a messy production. No, no, not at all. And and it knew what it wanted to be. And like and like yeah. I was saying, the music tells you. You know, you, it goes from silliness, and then all of a sudden that score kicks in, and it's like, oh wait, something creepy is happening. You yeah, know I mean? so, it's very, but it, but it's um, even the creepiness. There's like a sense of humor to it. It's, it's right. It's, it's not, ve- it's not full on creepy. It's correct. It's like, it's yeah. like lighthearted creepy or lighthearted exactly. scary. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I mean, I, the whole tongue in cheek tone of a horror movie in the guise of a comedy, you know, felt like a, it felt like a funny episode of the Twilight Zone. That's yeah, what I it felt see like. The what Twilight the Twilight Zone. Zone movie tried to be, this should have been. The monsters are due on Maple Street. It's got that premise with the neighbors on the street. You know, it, it's got that, but it's it's sort of a spoof of that. Uh, so I, I love the music and I love the atmospheric setting and the fact they never leave the cul-de-sac. Yes, I agree. Um, so like I said, um, in the very beginning, you know, it pans over the whole cul-de-sac and then, you know, you, you see this house that's, you know, run down and no, you know, bad yard and it's making noises and Tom Hanks's character comes out of bed to investigate and steps in the yard and all of a sudden the wind, pl- you know, picks up and blows and then he steps back in his yard and it just stops. Um, you see Rumsfeld watching on from his window um, and then, you know, kind of like lures you in to like hmm something's going on here um and then you know cuts forward to the next morning and you know it's a typical suburban neighborhood there's a lot of hustle and bustle cars driving paper boys driving riding by uh, delivering the newspaper mm-hmm. um i think they that did quintessential a suburban feel yeah it felt like the spielberg movie like the beginning of poltergeist or the beginning of exactly e. you know that that nice 80s wholesome nostalgic feel like the goonies um yeah yeah, I was a paper boy. Um, oh, really? For, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. Okay. Yeah, drove around on my bike and delivered papers. Um, I never hit anyone with the paper like he did, uh, but I did throw one that um, it was in a plastic bag because it was raining, mm-hmm. and I threw it, and the wind took it because it was raining, so it was windy too. It was a you know, um, and the wind took it and blew it up onto their roof. Um, and, and I panicked and just rode off. <laughs> so somehow they had to go on their roof and get their paper from their roof. Probably not a good surprise for them when they went out to get the paper and saw. No, it knowing um, knowing my dad and how much he loved getting the paper back in the day. If it was late, he was pissed. Um, so yeah, yeah, so your dad wouldn't have been happy with. He would not have appreciated that. That, that would have been a bad day for him. But <laughs> other than that, I was a pretty solid paper boy. I think. Okay, I, I, I okay. always delivered it um, on the on the 
porch, which a lot of the customers loved because they said, oh, the other paper boy always threw our paper at the bottom of the driveway. So mm-hmm. I was a I was a big ride up to the porch and throw it on their porch. Which uh, if you th- you're throwing it to you know that's obviously a harder throw than to just drop it off at the end of the driveway. So there's more of a chance of it ending up on a roof. All right, high risk. So they've high got reward. to appreciate they've got to appreciate the good and the bad that goes with that. <laughs> yep, so <exactly>. you know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so great job, um, capturing, you know, suburbia, I think, um, even like the little things of suburbia where, you know, you're looking out the window, watching things happen, you know, they watch, um, Bruce Stern's character step in dog poop and, you know, that whole scene unfold, um, like stuff like that. Like I do that now, like living in my house, I, I look out the window. Um, and, mm-hmm. and see, st- you know, you know, the neighbor lost his dog, and he's chasing it down the street. You know, like I, I you know, you sit there and you watch those things. Cause These things funny. happen. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, yeah, I mean, um, I think, and my father's kind of like that. I wrote that. This is one of the very few comedies my dad likes. Okay, which is once another another reason why I'm like, how is this? How did people not like this? You know, how did the critics not get it when it came out? Uh, but this was a movie that my dad liked a lot, you know, back in the day, and I'm sure he still likes it, but he's not exactly the biggest fan of comedy, but he liked this movie a lot. Yeah. Um, so then they, um, you know, you, you find out that uh, Tom Hanks' character is on vacation, and mm-hmm. we don't know why, but I guess he's having a rough time at work um, and needs some time off. And right. um, his wife is trying to get him. Carrie Fisher is his wife. She's trying to get him to go to the to a lake for a few days to get out of there. Um, you know, rent a cabin by a lake or something like that. Um, but he wants to just stick around the house and just kind of unwind and um, thinks that he's you know going to go back you know in better shape that he's in. Um, so basically, that sets up the premise that he's off for the week and he'll be around um, and doesn't want to go anywhere. Um, their mm-hmm. marriage seems a little odd i guess i don't know if they, they argue a lot but i guess that's normal i mean it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. yeah i didn't look into it too much of you know a strained marriage it just seemed like an average suburban you know it's not american beauty uh but it's you right know, and it seemed like an average typical marriage yeah for the movies um so then they, so then he says he doesn't want to go to the lake or he says all they do at the lake is sit there and watch the neighbor with an enormous head get drunk and fall down the stairs <laughs> And, and the wife goes, he's a hydrocephalic. You shouldn't be making fun of him. So I had to look up what that is. And apparently it's like when you get like water on the outside of your brain or something. So you have a, a bigger head than normal. <laughs> like the pet boys. <laughs> yeah, right. Basically. The bobbleheads, um, those big heads. Yeah. So I, I thought that was like a f- funny, like uh, dark joke. <laughs> um, but then, um, yeah, so then... Um, uh, then you meet Art, who uh, comes in. He's shooting crows, um, and um, he's shooting. And crows. Art is Rick Ducommon, right? Yeah, and the, he's shooting the, the overweight neighbor. Yeah, 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 the fat one they call him. Uh, he's mm-hmm. shooting crows because his wife complains that they're too big for the bird feeder, which is another like suburbia thing. Like <laughs> we have, a, we had, we had a bird feeder. We don't have it anymore because um, the squirrel broke it. But they, like, we had a. My, my wife uh, was telling me, "Oh, we, the squirrel's climbing up the bird feeder, breaking the bird feeder." I had to take care of the squirrel. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that happens. Like okay. so, I, I could relate to like that little like, those little conversations that they were all having. But um, uh, then they talk about um. Oh, so the so then Art comes in and he's eating breakfast with them. Um, and did you notice that he eats dog food? 
No, I did not notice that. <laughs> so he's eating like everything. Like he's there. He's eating everything on the table. He's eating. And um, Carrie Fisher walks by with dog food in her arm, and she puts something on the table. So he tries to like get a quick lick of whatever's in the bowl that she's carrying. <laughs> <laughs> And he eats it and like makes a weird face and then drinks coffee. And then you you see you see right after that that she puts it down for the dog. That's funny. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Um so then they they introduce these Klopaks are uh, they, they don't introduce them just by name and then um that they're weird neighbors and they're up to no good or they don't know what they're up to. Um loud well, They know weird... there's strange noises yeah. coming in the basement at night. Yeah, weird noises coming from the basement. Um so you know, there's a uh, some oh the son uh, Tom Tom Hanks's son when he was up on the roof with a telescope he saw them digging in the backyard so yep. there's yep. some there's some you know but it's all just you know hearsay and, and you know neighbors just trying to make uh, get some excitement out of their boring life at this point exactly um, yeah uh, so then they uh, they go outside and then one of the Klopaks actually comes out it's it's Hans who like we said played by Courtney Gaines. Um, comes out and gets the mail and just stares at everyone. And he's, you know, he looks pretty grotesque, uh, s- smells. It looks like he smells. I don't know if he smells. And the dramatic music <laughs> playing when they're yeah. all looking at him and he's looking out at them. <laughs> it looks like he hasn't seen the sun in nine years. Oh, yeah, yeah. He looks awful. Um, and then he, like, <laughs> he like backs into the front door and then yep. he, like, sneaks back into the house. Um, so then they, they uh, uh, Art starts calling Tom Hanks, uh, who's Ray, uh, starts calling him a chicken for not saying hi to him, um, yep. and then they argue over who 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 the guy would go to if he had to borrow something, which I thought was funny. Um, and he's like, he's your neighbor. Well, he's right next to you. If he was gonna borrow something, he would go to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> funny. Um, but then they so then um, they they end up deciding to both go because they see the whole neighborhood's watching. Uh, so right. they're gonna go knock on the door and um, introduce themselves to this guy. Um, and then, then it does as they're walking to the house. That is, that's a uh, a nod to um, Once Upon a Time in the West, I think, right? Possibly with the, with the zooming in on the eyes and the. Uh, I read that that music was was Ennio Marcone's score. Oh, so then it's uh, you know what? It's not Once Upon a Time in the West. I think it's more Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Maybe, maybe the scene with right before the final shootout. The yeah, that that would be that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, good that's the bad, where they good zoom the bad in now. on everyone's eyes. Yes, have you and seen they, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly? Uh, yeah, but it was it's been a while. Okay, okay. Um, and then the dog. They zoom in on the dog's eyes. I thought that yep. was funny. Oh, the yes. dog. So the dog's Queenie. The dog's name is Queenie in this movie. That Queenie was also the dog in uh, Silence of the Lambs. Really? The one and that... you know, it's very funny you mention that. Uh, t- today is the 30th anniversary of Silence of the Lambs. E- was it 91? 1991, yes. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah so that's very ironic that you mentioned that. Yeah, she was the, 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 I think its name is Precious in the movie. Yes, it was. It puts the lotion on its yeah. skin or yep. else it gets the hose again. Yep, yep. that was good. Ah, they looked like the same dog. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so they yeah, zooms in on everyone's eyes. Um, so then I, I love this scene with the, when the bees come out and they're, mm-hmm. and they're running from the bees, <laughs> they have yes. to run next door and then Rumsfield thinks he's going to help him and runs with the hose and the hose is too short and he falls down. <laughs> yeah. It's just good physical comedy all it around is. by everyone. Yeah. Um, so funny story there during the lockdown, 
um, I, I had, we had, I had bought some flowers or something. We were going to plant some flowers because we didn't have anything else to do with our lives. So, uh, <laughs> we were like, all right, let's make the yard look a little better. Um, so I was going out front to, to plant some flowers and I had all this, you know, gardening equipment with me and my hands were full and I walk from the backyard to the front yard and I hear this like loud, like almost deafening buzzing sound. And I was like, what the hell is that? And then I look across the street and I kid you not, there were probably about 10,000 bees in my neighbor's yard. Yikes. Um, you could see, like you, you you could see them so close. There were so many of them that it was it was scary. So I like dropped everything, ran in the house. Um mm-hmm. and then the bees were like bouncing off our windows and stuff. Um it was scary. Wow. Um, yeah. I've never and seen bees act like no, that. Well, wasn't me that where we're supposed to get like African bees or something with the scary the murder hornets? The murder hornets. Those no, the, they the... weren't murder murder hornets. They were just regular um they were just regular like bumblebees, but there was ten like got to be like like 10,000 of them. I've wow. never seen I've, that. I would be bees. so scared if I saw that many all uh, I Yeah, know what so to do. I go yeah. in my house. So my neighbor whose ha- whose yard it was, he, he's an older guy and he he didn't want them in his yard, I guess. But me, if it was my yard, I would have just been like, all right, they'll go away sooner or later. Uh, he mm-hmm. goes out there and is, and again, I'm sitting there watching him, just like Tom Hanks' character is watching, you know, Rumsfield step in dog poop. I'm watching mm-hmm. this guy try to take care of these bees. He's driving. What was he trying to do? Spray them with a hose? Whack them with a fly swatter? What was he trying to do? So he was spraying him with a hose, right? Um, but then they would come after him, so he would run in the house. And then he was spraying them from his front door. And then would close the screen door when they would come near him. Uh, he threw a football at them. Um, I, I guess there was like a nest or something in his tree in the front yard. Uh, he was in his car with with Raid, and he drove up to the tree where they were all huddled around and was spraying Raid at them. I would not bother doing that. I would. Uh, I don't know what I would. I, yeah, <laughs> I would the, be. In, I would do what you did. I would just go inside. The whole thing was like comedic. Like we were go inside there. and wait until November. <laughs> exactly. Like I. It was just so funny. Everything that was going on. Kristen and I were just like our eyes were glued to what was happening. Like we couldn't take our eyes off of it. Anyway, <laughs> I just thought that I, I I related to that completely. You could relate when that when that scene happened. Um, yeah. Um, so then, um, then then it cuts to like the next night, and or it might even be the same night. I'm not sure, but it's nighttime, and then they're they're um, they plan to go spy on them. Um, right. So then, uh, what's his name has a um, Rumsfield has that infrared scope and they're yep. um they're, they're looking at it and then all of a sudden um uh there's like lightning and a real loud sound coming from the clopex house <laughs> rumsfield has a great line it smells like they're cooking a goddamn cat over there yes <laughs> uh, he has all the best lines <laughs> he does for sure um uh so now they you know just, oh and then they and then uh courtney gaines character drives the garbage to the street and starts pounding the shit out of it with a uh, yep. like a garden tool or something uh, or mm-hmm. stick um, just very creepy that's what I like it, it goes from silly to creepy so fast this movie um, mm-hmm. but once again comedic creepy yes, it's never like, like yeah, really never scary. scary yeah no but but I wasn't it never intrigued. goes into silence of the lambs territory what? no 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 but but it's like intriguing though like you're like wondering like what what is going on um the creepiest scene to me in the whole movie comes next because um, then it starts raining and they, they, got, they all go home. Um, mm. 
when Ray looks out the window, Tom Hanks's character looks out the window and sees them digging in the backyard in the rain with mm-hmm. wearing like those cloaks. That yeah. was the creepiest scene to me. I, I remember as a kid and even now watching that and being like, oh, that's creepy. Like, yeah, because I can look into my neighbor's backyard from my bathroom window. And I, if I saw them at digging outside, I would I would be legitimately freaked out. Like, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if it looked like the scene in the burbs, I would. Yeah. yeah. Well, any scene like what are your neighbors digging in the backyard for? You know, but yeah, I don't know. It was just in the rain. Yeah. yeah. Wearing yeah, it's, like it's those creepy. heavy cloaks and. Yeah. Um. So the next, so then it, it cuts to the next morning, and they had planned to uh, check out the garbage bags that the guy was beating with the stick. Um. Mm-hmm. And then they they go in the garbage truck. They're throwing all the garbage on the street. What did you think of that scene? I thought that was funny. Um, yeah. Are Are you getting to when they find the bone? That's a little bit later. Yeah. Okay. Um, I recognize right. one of the garbage men from Gremlins. Um, oh yeah, they were, both of them actually. Both of them are oh, really? Joe Dante regulars. Yeah. The uh, the older man was Dick Miller from Gremlins, from Terminator. Uh, great character actor. He had a small part in Pulp Fiction. He passed away recently, like two or three years ago. He was in in his eighties, I believe. But yeah, very good character actor, Dick Miller. He ran the garage when Jules and Vincent drop off the Harvey Keitel. They take the car after they shoot the guy in the head. He's the one who runs the garage. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's whatever. I think his name, whatever his name was, that was the, he runs that garage. Um, yeah. Tarantino was a big Dick Miller fan, really good character actor. The other man is Robert Picardo who was in Gremlins, Gremlins 2. He's in pretty much every Joe Dante movie. Uh, He was in Star Trek, uh, The Next Generation. He was the hologram doctor. Uh, What else was Robert Picardo in? Very, very good. uh, Is he the younger one or the older one? The 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 younger one. He's bald. Yeah, Yeah, Robert Picardo. You would would know probably, he was in tons of 80s movies, Uh, usually uh, comedic movies. Uh, the thing I like best about that scene is, and it's not, it starts in that scene, but it's kind of like a running gag in the rest of the movie, is that the garbage they all throw on the street just is there for the rest of the movie. Like, no one ever puts yes. it up. <laughs> yes. in the very end, their, their cars are driving over it. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so they don't find anything there, but then they do find um, they do find a bone, a femur, um, yep. in, in through the backyard. The dog digs it up. Um, so that's what gets their, raises their suspicion again. Um, I was trying to watch this movie as like some like, pretending I didn't know the ending, um, and I was I was thinking like I guess they I wouldn't know for sure they they hint at it that the Klopex are killers but then they also give you clues that they're not killers. Yeah, like, I was gonna say it makes the neighbors the nosy neighbors look worse than the Klopex. Like right. they're not minding their own business, they're snooping around. They're it, you know. Well, especially I would at the say end, if I yeah, yeah. They don't find I anything. would say if I didn't know any better, I would think these guys are just looking for problems and there's nothing you know to yeah. worry about it because it seems like they're just crazy with no life and obsessed with these neighbors for mm-hmm. no real reason. Um, but the, the great shot of when they find the bone and the camera goes in and out with yeah. them both screaming, that's a great camera work on that job. Uh, I really like that. Yeah. I thought that was great. Um, I, I like when they go to Walter's house because he's, they find the dog and they think he's missing. Um, yep. so they go to his house and <laughs> wait a minute, I see someone moving in there and <laughs> Rumsfield opens the door from the inside. Yep. <laughs> Soldier's way saves the day. <laughs> He's got a piece of the window in his hand. Um, yep. I thought that whole scene was funny. Um, the, our art tries to steal something. <laughs> um, puts something in his pocket or something. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then he has the tray of cookies and Corey Feldman opens the door. <laughs> breaks the cookies. 
<laughs> yeah. um, I thought I thought all that was good. Um, and then at at one point, um, Tom Hanks is watching TV at night, and he's and it's all like scary movies. Did you recognize those movies? Not no, I don't I don't believe, but they all look like old B movies, you know. Like, well, uh, I didn't know the first one where it was like a person getting like sacrificed. Um, the second one was The Exorcist, though. I'm surprised you didn't pick up on that. It was. Oh, I missed that. I didn't. Yeah, and I then love the, the Exorcist. Yeah. The third one was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I don't know which one. Because um, hmm. I, I think there were more than one, but it was definitely one of them because the guy had okay. a chainsaw. Um, so I thought that was some interesting uh, movies there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then they uh, decide to go over to the Clopex and. Uh, just kind of meet them all together. The, well, the women decide, right? The women decide right. that yeah. they're going to go over there and meet them. And the great scene in that house. I mean, yes, what a scene! Like the, every, the pretzels and the sardines. And, <laughs> and the I sardines. like sardines and I like pretzels, but I've never had them like that. Pretzels and the sardines. Um, uh, when he knocks over the picture frame, oh, pretty girl, friend of yours? No, it's Kim with the frame. <laughs> Kim with the frame. <laughs> yes. And then he rips, the, Rumsfeld just standing there and he rips the wallpaper. <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments. Oh yeah, it's like, God. what is he doing? Why is he doing that? Because he's just bored. It's just, it was just so good. <laughs> Everything about that scene was great. When, and then when they finally meet um, Henry Gibson's character, um, the big shadow. They're, they're all yeah. yeah. They're all upstairs, and he, and then Rumsfeld's looking at the painting, and he he can't figure out which way the painting goes. He keeps flipping. It <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, he's like, that oh, might be the best scene in the whole movie. <laughs> I know. Uh, I think it is. That whole scene, I think, is great. And then um, Henry Gibson goes, oh, I thought the, the candles might be romantic for the ladies. And then he moves out of the way, and there's like a hundred candles in the middle <laughs> of the table. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Um, I, I thought I thought all that was great. Um, so then, you know, eventually. Oh, so then um, Tom Hanks's character finds uh, Walter's wig, which he had already slipped into the mail slot at Walter's house. Then he finds it in the Klopex house. So that makes him uh, suspicious. Think that, yeah. yeah, think that they definitely did kill Walter, the neighbor. Um, so then the next day they're going out for the day. So that's when he decides that he is going to go over the fence and he's not coming back till they find something. Right. Um, and then, you know, they don't find anything. Um, they accidentally blow up the house <laughs> yeah. um, because he hits a gas line digging. I thought the scene with the furnace was funny. Um, yes. Uh, where they were, <laughs> he goes, I think Rick Ducumming goes, the, uh, the thermostat on a f- home furnace, is that supposed to go to 5,000 degrees? <laughs> 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 it's such a like simple line, but it's like, no, I thought that was funny. Um, and then, um, so then they, they blow up the house because when they're digging in the basement, they actually hit the gas line and the furnace is already, you know, running at 5,000 degrees, I guess. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then, um, yeah, yeah. So then dirt while they're looking for stuff, Rumsfield is, is, uh, kind of like the lookout and he's on his roof across the, across the street. And that's when Corey Feldman's character, um, has a whole bunch of friends over because he knows something's going down. Um, and then uh, at one point they out uh, Rumsfeld's gun falls or something, right? It was leaning against the mm-hmm. chimney and it falls. So he runs over and picks yep. it up. And then Corey Feldman goes, yo, Rumsfeld, just as he's Again. picking it yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> and he falls off the roof and shoots a car window. Yes. That's a great moment. <laughs> that is, that, that was my favorite moment. Um, yeah. I, I, to this day, I still laugh at that. Um, mm-hmm. So then, uh, so then while they're, they're digging in the basement of the Klopex house, uh, Walter comes home. 
so that's when they're like, oh crap, he's not. They didn't kill Walter. He actually right. was, you know, in the hospital, and he's home. Um, so then they return. Um, sorry, then um, then they see the Clopex coming with cops, and they uh, they try to they try to get Ray and warn him, but it's too late. And then, like I said, he the house blows up. He survives, um, which was a little silly that part, but I still like it. I don't. It's still I, funny. Yeah. yeah still no, funny. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, the movie has its hooks in me, and I'll I'll you know go along for the ride. Right. Um, uh, so then, you know, it's a big scene. There's cops everywhere. Um, and then, you know, you think uh, to this point and, and Tom Hanks, you know, makes a good has a good monologue about how he has that big outburst yeah, yeah. that that they're the weirdos, not the Klopex. Um, right. And you, you think the Klopex are innocent. And then, you know, there's the then there's the reveal um, where uh, Henry Gibson goes into the ambulance where Tom Hanks is laying and mm-hmm. admits that he did. Uh, he killed the people that lived in that house. Um, and, uh, then he's going to kill Tom Hanks or at least tries to. And then, uh, you know, they, they fight and then they come out of the, uh, ambulance. And then when they do, they actually bump into the car, the Klopex car and the trunk pops. And then you see all a, you know, a bunch of skeletons in the car. Yep. And that's when you find out that they actually did do it. Um, yep. so they were murderers the whole time. Um, did you know that there, that that is the second ending? Yeah, the original ending, I believe Tom Hanks died. Well, that was in the script, and then once, that was in the script. Yeah. yeah, then once Tom Hanks, you know, was attached to the project, they knew they couldn't kill him off. Right. Um, but there was a filmed second ending. It's I have I have the DVD, and it was on there. Um, so it was actually the original ending, but it didn't score. It didn't test well, so they they changed it. And okay. so the ending. What, what, what's in the? I've seen. I saw it on YouTube, but I didn't watch it. Uh, what's the original uh, scripted it, ending? It's not. It's not. Well, it's not the scripted ending, but it's Fil- like, the original uh, filmed ending. Yeah, the original ending, filmed yeah. ending was. Um, it's almost the same, except that instead of like them fighting in the ambulance and flying out the back because the you know Hans started driving away, uh, instead of that happening. Um, uh, Ray, uh, sorry, um, Art goes to apologize to Ray, and he opens up the ambulance doors and sees uh, Henry Gibson about to inject him with a needle, um, and that's how they figure it out. And then uh, there is no trunk full of bones. They, they, the cop, you know, it cuts to a cop saying that um, that he they killed the naps, and that if we di- if they dig deep enough deep enough in the backyard, they'll find the bodies. Oh, so I, I think I like the one that they went with better because it's I, a little I do more too. visually it, satisfying with the yeah. fight and the skeletons, the way you described it. Exactly. Um, I, I like it. I, I think it was a good change. I mean, it didn't ruin it, and it wasn't like a drastic change. I mean, yeah, it's still, no, it's not a drastic change at all. I, no. I did read somewhere that Tom Hanks died. I didn't realize that that was that there was another alternate ending as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was just a, the difference. Oh, and they talk a little bit about why they came there and stuff like that. But again, it's just like minor dialogue. Not necessary. Um, there no. wasn't, there wasn't a great reason for why they came to that house and killed the owners. No, just that they wanted to like get away from, uh, they wanted peace and quiet in the suburbs, but it doesn't say why they chose that house and why they had to kill the neighbors. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so no real enlightenment, just that no. they were actually killers all in all. And I think the visually stim, you know, satisfying conclusion of their fight and the stretcher coming out and the ambulance and the uh, the bodies, the bones. I think that's a lot. That sounds better than the other one that you described. 
And if they did go with that ending, then we wouldn't have another great Rumsfeld line, which was, hey, Pinocchio, where are you going? Yes, <laughs> that is a great line. <laughs> hey, Pinocchio, where are you going? <laughs> which is funny because he did look like Pinocchio. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then, and, and then, you know, he then uh, Tom Hanks' character tells Corey Feldman's character, you know, I'm going on another vacation. Keep an eye on the neighborhood for me. Um, and then that's, you know, basically how it ends. Um, yeah, what does Corey Feldman say? I can't wait till I I love this neighborhood or something like that. I love this neighborhood. Okay, yeah, yeah something it. like that. And that's how it ends. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I I, I think I, I I don't think this movie was a real big mistake. I think the critics got it wrong. I think this should be, I said minimum seventy. I would say you know seventy or eighty percent. I, I think is is pretty good. Me, you know. 85 yeah. maybe on a good I mean, day yeah i don't follow rotten tomatoes as much as you i sort of like to think of myself as my own critic so i would say it's a good solid three three and a half star movie yeah. it's not a four star movie but it's definitely it succeeds at what it's trying to do so in that sense it's you know maybe exactly what it should be so maybe it is you know more of a four star movie yeah, I mean, but I, I think it's just very underrated. Not a lot of people know about this movie. It does That's have a, it, true. Yeah, it does have a cult following. Um, you know, it's and it's you know, I think like you said, any, anyone that's seen it likes it. Um, I yeah, I don't know anyone that dislikes this movie that has seen it. I know a lot of people that haven't seen it. That's for sure. But um, it's definitely uh, everyone that has seen it likes it. So it's it's. And I watched it with Kristen last night, and she liked it. Um, okay, so, good. And she's a tough critic, so um, okay. <laughs> it passed the Kristen test. Um, All right. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I'm gonna say that you know this is a, a this is this movie is very underrated. Um, I think it should get much more press than it does. You know, for for one of the better movies of of the '80s. Well, one of the better comedies of the comedies, '80s, yeah, yes. and and one of the best early Tom Hanks roles. That's yes. 100%. I think this is, you know, it's on a different level of comedy than Big. It's not quite as, you know, I don't know, sophisticated, I guess, as Big uh, was and, you know, would become to be. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a very funny movie, all building up to the explosive climax, followed by the reveal that the neighbors we've been following were not entirely wrong with their wild imaginations about the creepy new neighbors. I, I think that was a good twist in itself kind of sort of because uh, i guess early on like you said if i had never seen this movie i would have imagined that tom hanks and his neighbor friends were just you know being uh you know being nosy and l looking for trouble uh but it reminded me a little bit of rear window where he's have you seen rear window the hitchcock jimmy stewart movie no i know of it but i haven't seen it Okay, I highly recommend that. We couldn't do that for this because the critics love that and everyone loves that movie. That's a fantastic movie. But he's watching his neighbor. He thinks his neighbor killed his wife. And we don't entirely know until the final moments if he's, you know, right or was wrong the whole time. And so it's a very, very... And that all takes place in that one in his apartment. And he's just looking out across the courtyard into his neighbors and spying on all his neighbors because he's... Uh, you know, he's injured. Was, he's bound was, to a wheelchair. Was there a Simpsons uh, spoof on that with Ned? Yes. Bart I, thinks, yeah, when Bart <laughs> breaks his and he can't go in the pool, yeah, uh, he yeah, thinks yeah. that Flanders killed uh, his wife. It's, yeah, that's a spoof of Rear Window, yes. And I've never seen this movie, but I'm told Disturbia is a good teen update of uh, Rear Window. 
Okay, so. yeah, I, I remember the premise. I've never saw Disturbia, but I remember when it came out and the okay. premise and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think to me, I think The Burbs is a very savage, funny, smart social commentary on suburbia and what you touched on before on the bored and mundane, safe lifestyle it has created where people are so cut off from the rest of the world, they have to make their own problems to feel important and give their lives meaning. And that's what I think Tom Hanks was trying to do. Like you said, he wasn't the best husband or the best father. He was kind of like, you know not successful at his job or not getting any professional satisfaction. So he needed this. He needed this adventure. He needed this, you know, to fill up his time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, and, and mention Joe Dante, the director. Uh, he had a respectable run of films throughout the 1980s with Inner Space, Gremlins, and The Howling. But he struggled to have a hit or a memorable movie really since then. Uh, He directed a segment on the ill-fated Twilight Zone movie. uh, And it was... uh, But this movie is better than all of, you know, the Twilight Zone segments of that movie. Uh, So he he was a good director at some point, and then he just sort of struggled a little bit. uh, I think he directed Toy Soldiers, didn't he? Uh, Small Soldiers, and yes, he did. Yes, he directed Small Soldiers. That was like his last big-budget movie, uh, I think, that he did. Um, Because, yeah, he really... He did a movie in the early 90s called Matinee with John Goodman. It flopped, but I liked it. Um, And then I'm trying to think what else he did, but, yeah, nothing you know, really memorable or nothing that that I can think of off the top of my head. So Gremlins, and I think he did Gremlins 2, the new batch. Those were, you know, where the first Mm. one was a big hit. Um, You know, The Howling was a big hit. Uh, But yeah, and, you know, The Burbs was a medium-sized hit. This wasn't a flop, but this wasn't a, you know, massive major hit. No, it did make money um, overall. So, you know, it wasn't a flop. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I think... You know, you can't go wrong with the movie. So if you haven't seen this movie, uh, I, th- I think you need to. Um, if I you, agree. If you still want to after hearing spoilers and everything. Um, but <laughs> I, I think even if – I mean, it's not the kind of movie where if you know the ending, it, it's, it ruins the movie. Like, I, I know the ending, and I still love the movie. So – um, oh yeah, it's it's a lot of fun and it great is. It's acting a fun movie. and great music and I, it really hooks you in. They, they set the tone. It's just the right amount of comedy and I guess horror, terror, you know, suspense. It reminded me. There's you know some movies cross that line a little bit. Uh, did you ever see the Frighteners with Michael J. Fox? Yeah, I like that movie. I love that That's movie. A that has darker, the same though. kind of tone. A little bit. It's rated R. It's a little more graphic. The special yeah. effects, they use CGI. It's a little more gory. Um, but it's not... It's still very comical throughout. I don't yeah. think... You, you're you're never really scared, even though maybe the you know visuals are a little more you know disgusting than the visuals in the burbs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this was, you know, it's the same kind of mood, the same kind of tone. So I stand by. I think this is one of Hanks's best early pictures. Yep, I agree. Um, yeah, so that Not was... much debating on this one. Not much conflict. We're in agreement with, yeah, with this and, movie. And yeah. we probably will be a lot. Um, but, uh, you know, our, our debate really is with the critics in this case. And, you know, like you said, bad timing. Um, yeah. You know, with with Tom Hanks's career, um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if if they just thought that the you know sometimes movies are taken too seriously too, and yeah, if you take this movie too seriously, then maybe you don't like it because you know the end is is what it is. It's 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 you know a little silly, but um, 
it goes along with the rest of the movie though so exactly it's, yeah it's you know, it, it, that's the kind of movie it is and um yeah so uh yeah i, I agree not much to, for us to argue about with each other I, I you know we both like this movie great 80s great tom hanks uh film great bruce dern bruce dern great, great. bruce uh, rick ducommon <laughs> yeah everyone did it I don't, like you said you can make the argument that Corey feldman is not great in this um, he's the he, weakest link right he's the weakest you could take his character out and i think the movie would have worked just as good yeah i agree um and everyone else is great in it so mm-hmm. all right so that that's so great that music great one. editing great everything that's what were you gonna say i was just saying i think that does it for this one that does it for this one yeah do you know what you want to do next week uh, well, you're up next week, so if it's not, my turn to pick. Oh, I'll have to think to about pick. it. I don't yeah. know. I'll have to think. What? What can I? What, I don't want to torture you, but uh, what? Uh, what's a movie that? Well, I'll have to think yeah, about. Think about what's it. A, you got. You got a week to think about it. So I got a let, week to think know, about it. So um, and we'll and then we'll uh, we'll let the uh, we will reconvene know. and we will have episode three next week. So we made it to episode two. Thank you very much for listening uh, to our uh, second uh, podcast. Um, and I guess we'll sign off now. I'm Jason Konigsberg of panandslam.com. Live long, prosper, and watch movies. And I am Rich Tola. I don't have a website or a uh, catchy saying, so I'm just going to leave it with my name. But why don't you tell the listeners where they could find us? Because you. Uh, oh, yes, we are on. Uh, yes, we are on Twitter and Instagram now. Um, at uh, Real Big Mistakes um, for both of those. So, same username for both um so you can find and it's r-e-e-l yes. real like a movie reel yeah yep um so we'll post one uh new episodes there and you could find these episodes on any i think anywhere where you can find podcasts now yeah, I think spotify uh yeah wherever you can find podcasts i'm pretty sure that we're up and available so you could search for us on whatever you use to find podcasts yep very yep exactly all right all right Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.